Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, well, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an LA champion. You know? Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Apter, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Wrestling with history worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. The voice of choice, Bruce Fork. No, I don't have a collared shirt. I have my Andre the Giant t-shirt on today. If you're watching on... Uh, premium patreon uh wonderful willie the legend maker bill after and the uh, superstar fresh off of his a e biography appearance <laughs> killer ken resnick uh, wrestling with history what's up what's happening guys what's going on ken all right we i got some things to say first off in full disclosure get back here word pay attention Oh, when I coined the phrase for everyone that watched A&E last night, the hunt for buried treasure, whatever they call it. I watched it. When I coined Bill Apter, the legend maker, it was a vast understatement. I want to say that right here and now. Calling him the legend maker was an understatement. We learned last night had it not been for Bill Apter, probably the, one of the single greatest moments in wrestling history. Television history. Which, which led to television history, wrestling history, the bonding of entertainment and wrestling would have never happened without Bill Apter. That being said, Bruce, I know you and I are furious with him. Let's do a brief recap. They went on the hunt for buried treasure, wrestling, whatever they call it. They go to Jerry Lawler's. He's got like 25 robes and crowns and stuff hanging up. They end up paying 
$10,000 for one. Done. Then they go to this other guy's house who's got a pair of Jerry Lawler's boots that he probably wore 50 to 100 in his career. Granted, he wore this in one of the famous matches with Andy Kaufman. The WWE buys it for $5,000 and commissions Jerry Lawler to do a portrait of the guy they sold it to. Then they admit one of the greatest mysteries, what happened to the neck brace Andy Kaufman wore. And there's only one of them. There's only one of them. It's, it's, they have no idea. They said right out, this is the one piece of memorabilia they want more than anything. And there's only one up there. there there's no, there's not three or four or five or 10. There's one. They track it down at Bill Apters. The guy tells the, the guy from WWE is so excited. They finally found it. They want, he says, what do you want for this? Here's what we want to do. Whatever. And I'm thinking, you know how last week we talked about maybe all of us going to a convention together? If Bill Apter had negotiated that, we could have gone with, on a private jet and had Dom Perignon and filet mignon to eat. And sparkling Let ice and a hamburger. Zero. Nothing. Zip, nada. Zippo. Oh, no. WWE. A billion-dollar publicly traded company owned by a billionaire. And now, wait a minute. 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 I want to clear something up, okay? If you had listened intently when I was talking about the neck brace, I could not pinpoint where I got it from Andy. I was with groups of his people on a regular basis. It was given to me by one of his people. And I mentioned this in the in the show. Um, we don't know if he had more than one. There's a probability he had more than one. However, there's only one in existence, right, and anybody right. knows it. However, however, I was talking with. Nick and we saw the picture you pointed. All oh, right, right, right. Listen, listen. So I was talking to Nick Houseman from um, Wrestling Inc. today, and we were going back and rewinding, rewinding. Where I might you like wrestling ink? I like 411 Mania. No, Ken no, likes Wrestle Zone. Some people like PW Insider. No, like Wait a minute, cut it. What see, you had to shut him up before. Now I gotta shut him up. So, um, I never mind. No, you like all so, of them. So, now the day, the, the night of the Letterman show, when I went to Jerry's hotel room, Jerry was sitting on the bed with his ex wife, um, Kitty Paula. No, no, Paula. Right. And somebody had opened the door and I turned around and I looked and it was Andy and he didn't have the neck brace on. Okay. This is the night of the Letterman show. We have figured out through talking for a while that that neck brace that I had in my, once I got it, it wasn't important to me. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why there's a huge reason why it wasn't important to me. Um, but I think I got it in the hotel room that Lawler and his wife were staying in and Andy was hanging out with us in the same hotel room. Andy was in the same hotel. So when I got home back on uh, Long Island or in Queens, wherever I was, no, it was Queens at that point, um, I threw it in a, in a box, like with Halloween stuff and stuff in my apartment. Um, 
And that, that was it. So the reason I'm going to tell you why this didn't mean much to me then. Mr. Weston, the publisher of the magazines, was very much like Vince Sr., Sam Muchnick, and all the traditional promoters. We're not doing anything on this thing because it's a comedian against a wrestler. It's deadly for the business. It's deadly for the magazine. So we did a two-page story on it. That was it. The next day after the Letterman show, Jerry Lawler was supposed to come out to our magazine office. He did. Did Mr. Weston send a car out to get him? He was in New York and Rockville Center, Long Island was a long trip. No, he said, let him take the Long Island Railroad like everyone else. And Jerry Lawler took public transportation. This is what, so it didn't mean anything. In fact, it was a big story for a couple of weeks in the newspapers and everything. But to me, I threw it in a pile. What the heck? Moved two or three times since then, always had the neck brace with me. When we came here to Pennsylvania, it stayed with my, I think I threw it in a bin with my kids' Halloween stuff. That it didn't mean anything. And then when my book came out six years ago, is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. Thank you. Plug of the week. Uh, and I wrote those chapters about me and Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. So you people call him Kaufman, C-O-F-F. It's I'm a New Yorker. It's Kaufman. Uh, people started, wow. And he's like our hero. Little by little, people started reaching out to me to tell the Kaufman story. And now it's exploded. So Jerry Lawler and I have always been very close. This is, I'm getting to the why this was given to them gratis, okay? Jerry and I have been very close all these years for my daughter's confirmation, her bat mitzvah. I gotta make sure I stay awake till this ends. (laughs) No, no, listen. So for my daughter's confirmation, her bat mitzvah, he drew four beautiful broadside portraits of her for this zillion dollar event, okay? And he's given me so much stuff. So I figured for this thing, he'd want it back. I wasn't thinking WWE. I wanted Jerry Lawler to have this thing. So when they came down and I I was just ready, hey, Jerry, you can have it. It's right there, I love it, but this is part of your legacy. And you know, I was the guy who put the key in the ignition and made it happen, but you took the ball, you ran with it, you and and Jarrett. And uh, I, you know, I'll get an appearance fee. I'll get an appearance fee for whatever I've done on the WWE network, like in the past. But I wasn't looking to sell this to them. It's not his but money, he, Bill. They he, piss on thousands of dollars. But, but it wasn't going to Jerry Lawler. It was going to a billion-dollar company owned I, by a billionaire who acknowledged it's the one piece they have always tried to find in one. All I, I know is Bruce. We could have been on a private jet to our, our live podcast with Dom Perignon and Filet Mignon, and now we're back in a middle he seat. He didn't even you know, wear see, a I don't need a, wait, I don't, one wrestling hat. Where does his paycheck come from? No, no, no. Wait one wrestling is dead. Drink, Ken, other than the video channel. Ken, I don't drink, ink or drink, eat or drink any of that stuff. It would have had to be uh, a bacon cheeseburger with mozzarella cheese and a bottle of sparkling ice. Then you that would they, they'd have bought you a Burger King. Ah, <laughs> oh, now okay. Let me call him. I'll change my mind. No, but I, I just. Um, what? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the show, right? And, you know, I'm thinking ten thousand for the boot. You know, for for the robe, five thousand for the boots. 
I'm saying if Bill's going to get at least 10 grand for this, and wherever we get together, we know Bill's buying lunch. And he just goes, there you go. I know you're a billionaire. I know you, you, you there were times you wouldn't even let me in the door. Here, just take it. Uh, just let's call it personal reasons. There, there are reasons that... <laughs> There are reasons that that was given to, like I said, with him, with Jerry in mind. And uh, no, I did the right thing as far as I'm concerned. Bruce, there, there you go. We go from a private jet. We're back in the middle seat again. Yeah, no, you middle, middle seat. seat. You're on the 55 bus that goes down Route 611. Yeah. It's just. All right, like let's my, go to the. Let's, who said I was going to share it anyway? My appearance at the gathering of the Juggalos. It was a 15-hour drive. I stayed at a Motel Six. It's more like that. Did you? Yeah. Next to Vanilla Ice and they Charlie me, Sheen. They paid me very well for my appearance there. Yeah. I I did I I yeah. Well, we could. And a Juggalo shirt with my name on it. I lost well, I'll my. What? All, all kidding aside, um, you know, people that 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 read Bill's book knew it, but now, uh, you know probably a million people when that biography is is when that show is is replayed will know that literally bill was solely responsible for one of the greatest television wrestling moments in history that really opened an entirely new era so no, they didn't know kudos to our friend do you thank you but you know they didn't know it when i was down at the performance center when they opened about i don't know five or six years ago i was talking with uh Stephanie and Paul and Triple H and somehow the Andy Kaufman thing. I said, do you know who hooked up Andy Kaufman with Jerry Lawler? Neither of them knew. They said, who? I said, it was me. And they were like, they didn't know. I was like, I was last night. You didn't know it. No, I didn't. Honestly. Oh, you didn't know that? No, no. Well, Bruce read my book. I read the book. I have said, you know, I, I, I want to get your book when you're somewhere when I can have you sign it. I, I will get it for you. I will sign it and send it to you. Bill, uh, why we're on I, I, I really was. I, I, Bill, I, honest to God, you know, all kidding aside, I did not know that. I mean, as you were telling that, as that story was being told, my jaw was dropping. Well, you didn't yeah, I, I did not You get The whole story is in the book or in the audio book. And if we had time today, I'd tell you the entire story. Bill, tell me this, where did you, so you set up this whole thing, but where did you meet Andy Kaufman? Cal, I'm going to say Kaufman. Yes, I no, you did it right. You said <laughs> it. Andy was backstage at the garden. And he, I'm a Philadelphia Jew that believes in Jesus. How about that one? <laughs> Andy was uh, backstage at the garden, Madison Square Garden, and he recognized me from pictures of me in the magazine. And he, uh, uh, he asked me, what am I doing after the matches? I said, I'm going home. He said, how do you get home? He was soaring in taxi at this time. I said, I take the subway. He said, can I go with you? I said, sure. So Andy Kaufman sitting on a subway train with me with tons of fans just looking like, hey, that's Andy Kaufman. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I first met him was at the garden. That's amazing. And I came to my apartment in Queens and the rest, as I mentioned, is in the book. Wow. Besides the whole Lawler thing, the, the buzz in the industry back then, I don't think you were active yet, Ken. Was was there a lot of chatter, Bill, across all the territories about Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler? 
not a lot because they the territories didn't really know a lot about there was no internet right back then once it was in the magazine once it made the newspapers after the letterman show they knew about it and uh they knew about it from small pieces we had in the magazines like i said mr weston didn't want any part of that thing it's amazing um, it's interesting bruce we we have talked about how really the first wrestlemania when vince brought the entertainment brought a lot of non-wrestling fans to the sport but i think it was the lawler kaufman david letterman all engineered by bill that really was the first time mainstream non-wrestling fans started paying attention yeah see i didn't engineer the letterman show letterman had uh 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 found out about this uh uh, about this whole piece. And uh, I don't remember who exactly uh, knew somebody with Letterman. It was somebody in uh, Andy's uh, uh, friends that I think Andy may have called him actually and, uh, and asked to do this thing. They were supposed to make friends and sing that's where friends are for. Uh, yeah. they, turned it, they completely turned it around. We were, Craig Peters and I were behind the cameras, one of our other editors shooting pictures and none of this stuff was like, nobody knew this was going to happen. I mean, the police actually got Andy out of there. And but again, I, if, if the whole Kaufman Lawler thing hadn't happened, there wouldn't have been anything to put on Letterman. Yeah, but I'm upset. I'm upset that even after Andy died and uh, that Jerry let, let the cat out of the bag because most people thought this was, was it. Well, they made a movie and Jerry made a lot of money off the movie. And listen, I think, Ken, what you're saying is, if not for Bill after sports entertainment may not be around today. I, I, I think you can, and not trying to blow Bill's horn, but I think you can legitimately make that case. Well, if you're going to blow Bill's it. horn, wait until we go to break. Vince McMahon would have done it anyway. And I, I remember Jerry telling me that one time, he was on a plane with Vince and Vince said that was the only thing he wished that he would have, he would have done, but yeah. you know what? It wouldn't have been as good because Jerry Lawler took it and the Jarrett's there, they took it. It's small town, like a Broadway show before you come to the big city and they honed it so perfectly. By the time it came to the big city, it was perfect. Well, if you, if you think about it, I mean, you know, with Taxi, Andy Kaufman was already a national star. Yeah. And, and think about, here's this big national star working this angle in what was a very small local territory. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge deal. How can I say this properly is when they came down here and did that and I just couldn't I make do the pressure of let's do a deal. It's like, this is the biggest thing that ever happened in your life, Jerry. And it's going to be in the WWE Hall of Fame or museum, whatever, that this is yours. This shouldn't, you know, I, I introduced you to, but this is what you guys did. I just. But, but, but right. Jerry was smart enough to get 10 grand. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, I just didn't feel, I just didn't feel right doing that again you know an appearance fee great you know they every time i'm on the wwe ne network and stuff they pay pay me an appearance fee that works but i i couldn't sell the the next bruce we we went from filet mignon and down Perignon back to 
peanuts and pretzels. I love how he thinks I was going to share it with you guys. Motel 6. All right. We'll go to a break. We'll uh, digest all of this. Give me a break. Think about about how much money that Bill could have had. And then with the background, he could have a pool and a butler back there, but... No, it's not me. Give me some country music in the backyard and a dog, and I'm fine. All right, back with your mail on the other side of the break. Tweet us at VOC Nation. Send an email to Bruce at VOCNation.com, and we will read your comments too. Back on the other side, wrestling with history in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Wrestling with history, or Bill after Ken Resnick, and the least of your uh, love, uh, Bruce Work, the voice of choice. Um, I, I love the hate mail. Keep it coming and uh, keep giving your comments on the You're show. You're going to get some from me this week, too. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Just make sure the check clears. By the way, first. Ken Resnick, Killer Ken, was on that. Uh, the Randy Savage a biography. Oh, no, you're getting ahead show. of me, Bill. You're getting great, ahead of me. Great show. I know, but we're going to do mailbag first. I'm just right. going to go for the mail. Big we, got, we got some good feedback from Captain Lou. That's what we did last week. So if you didn't listen, go back into the archives, search for VOC Nation Wrestling Network on your favorite podcast app. You can get every one of our shows. Look for Wrestling With History, and you can see every one of these shows. But there's a lot of great content on VOC Nation. Here's Bane. I think that's the evil character from Batman, maybe, or Iron Man. I think it was batman bane says i still remember all the words to do the mario thanks captain lou do the mario ken you brought that up at the end of last week's show captain lou also famously super mario on i forget what channel that aired on um yeah i can't remember the channel either bill might but you know i mean captain lou he was such an over-the-top you know personality and it Again, um, like if it hadn't been for Bill's friendship with Andy Kaufman, if it hadn't been for Captain Lou Albano's friendship with Cindy Lauper and her team, I don't know if, if that rock and wrestling marriage would have ever happened. Yeah. Isn't that amazing yeah. how all of this stuff separately comes together to make what we all know? I was going to say what we all enjoy today, but we, what we all know of today as sports entertainment and professional wrestling enjoy is is <laughs> dependent on the person i guess but bill do you know the story behind super mario and doctor uh, doctor captain <laughs> dr lou captain lou getting that role to play oh, on super you mario? want to ask me about the captain who's got it all ability agility guts maneuver 
No, actually, I I know that they were all. Uh, Captain Lou had become a uh, a Hollywood person, as you know, he was in the movie Wise Guy, and he was going for auditions. And I believe, if I remember the story correctly, that he auditioned for it, and they saw him, and they loved him. He had the look, that's for sure, right? He definitely was. He was he was he was Super Mario. Yeah, yeah, he looked like Super Mario before he even saw Super Mario. Somebody write me and tell me what channel that was on, because I, I now it's bothering me. I want to know. I, think I can't it was find in New York. It. I think it was on Channel Five. So it was it was it local syndicated TV? I don't or? remember. I don't All right, remember. we'll find you know, out. And then it, it went into uh, he was part of the video game. Yeah. No, was he? Yeah. No, I don't think. Well, Mario was. Mario I Brothers. I think he was in the video game again. Uh, I've never. I don't remember. I wasn't playing that video game when my son had the uh, whole Super Mario stuff, but I don't think he was associated with them at that particular point. Yeah, but definitely in the show. Shooter Sharp says they would all smoke and play cards and everything, and he was part of that group, uh, and he quotes that, and then he says, I want the juice. What does that mean? Is that a Captain Lou saying, I want the juice? Well, Captain Lou used to refer, refer to when he cut his forehead as to the juice the juice right so how did he use how did this person he quoted when you guys said they would all smoke and play i think it was you bill you said i they would all smoke and play cards and everything and he was part of that group and then shooter sharp says i want the juice explanation point i, I, don't, I don't know, know, that know what that means bill you you might know this and maybe i'm wrong but didn't lou also you know talk about i got to get some juice and it was vodka and he was Oh, yeah, but I don't know if he used the term juice. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. He goes on to say, oh, and uh, he continues, and everything. Uh, this is a separate message. Uh, got my imagination running that old Sly Fox after. Mama used to buy me his magazine. Sorry, I've been drinking. Okay, fair enough. We'll we got move it. On. We got it. The Iron Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> back again yeah uh, that sounded like the most incredible times why didn't they do the invite i don't know what that means either okay we'll move on kyle if mr rko was around when lou albano was he would have been pulling those facial rubber band rings of his well that wouldn't be nice because they were for the multiple sclerosis foundation yeah okay. but randy did push uh didn't he <laughs> who did he push down he pushed down rick flair right yeah pushed down a lot of people but yeah. Charlotte didn't defend him or, not, you know, nothing. Andrade. Right. Randy would have come up and said, you know, take the, loosen up the, the safety pin. I'm pulling that off. <laughs> Do you know what RKO was when I was growing up? Uh, um, it was a network or a music. It was a move, movie theaters. Movie theater. Sure. Yes. The RKO theaters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. TJ only. I never figured out how Captain Lou's rubber bands were attached to his face. Were they simply stuck on like someone does when playing cards on their forehead? <laughs> or were they actually fed through a piercing or something? Yeah, Weren't they thumbtacks, Bill? They, 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 no, not thumbtacks. They, they, they're like uh, needles, like safety pins. Safety pins. pins. Yeah, <laughs> safety pins. Yeah, yuck. Yeah, you can do that. If, if you do it really... Um, clean it first with alcohol but i used to play tricks uh you know you put pins through your the top layer of your skin on your hand and we're going to be banned on these this network kids do not try this at home yeah don't try this at home this yeah. is all, we're off way off uh off the mark today this is just punchy and we should add to, to some of our uh listeners and commenters adults don't try that at home <laughs> 
Um, I, I do have some other comments that I'll get to next week. Uh, they came through def various vehicles and I, I just, we're recording on a Monday instead of a Tuesday and I didn't have time to get to the rest of them. Go ahead, Ken. Um, and and I, I have got a question I want to throw out to all those listeners and get their comments on. And I, I was thinking about it today, as much as we've talked about it, <laughs> We've never asked the question, and I know next week might be a, a, a best of uh, show, so that we'll have. Yeah, we're all on assignment next week. All on have, assignment. have two weeks, but I would like to ask all of our listeners to comment. Do you think the old school wrestling, you know, from the eighties and nineties, in this entertainment world, could really succeed today? We, we've talked about it, but we've never really asked what our listeners think. And I think that's a would be great question. Good question. Yeah. I will tell you that uh, Captain Lou would have survived today. And so would the great. Oh, yeah. But I mean, just, you know, wrestling, the the, the younger audience where, where they're, they so want to, to just be entertained. I'm really wondering if, if our listeners think, you know, the old style wrestling, the psychology if that could have succeeded in today's world. Don't they call it that MMA? Don't they call it MMA? Um, because, because, you know, that's a, that's a shoot guys. Yeah. That's but that's shoot. too, that's too um, intense. You know, it's not like pro wrestling. When I used to watch a, like a one hour match between a Jack Briscoe and a Dory Funk Jr. Uh, today, unfortunately, after 10 minutes, fans might have yelled out boring. Yeah, that, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, a couple of greatest matches I ever saw, Rick Martell and Harley Race, the old oh. Keaton Auditorium in St. Louis, yeah. did a one-hour draw or, yeah. or Broadway. And uh, Nick Bockwinkle and Rick Flair in Winnipeg. I mean, oh, sure. those are, are, are two of the best matches. And, Bill, it'll be interesting to hear what they say, but I think you're right. You know, a, an hour match today, the fans might be pulling their hair out. Yeah, unless, by the way, since we're talking about matches, I know we're off the mark here, but last week on SmackDown, one of the best matches I have seen in maybe five or ten years, Daniel Bryan against Roman Reigns. Did either of you see that match? I saw your video lauding it. Yeah, you couldn't pay me to watch SmackDown on a Friday Well, I night, want to so. tell you something. It was, it was absolutely incredible and other I'm than just the commercial, other than the commercial interruptions this was a match that Vern Gagne would have or Sam Muchnick or Vince Sr. would have been proud of as a match in their company it was that good Bill can, can you imagine what Vern or Sam or Vince Sr. would have done a match as you're describing on national television and they just interrupt it with commercials and <laughs> their heads would have exploded. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. It, it, it kind of ruined the flow, but you had two guys who put on such incredible professional wrestling performances. Watch, if you can find that match somewhere, watch it. It was absolutely incredible. And we've probably got a break coming. But you know what I hope someday makes it to YouTube, Bruce, that hopefully it was recorded. Uh, Bill, what was the name uh, uh, of the uh, budding superstar and the collector from WWE that was with Jerry the King when they came to your house? Oh, AJ. Um... Yeah, AJ. 
I, I, I hope the, the, the crew somehow recorded it. I would love for the phone call between AJ and Triple H. When AJ says Triple H, we found the neck brace. We found the neck collar. And Triple H, the next words you know would have been, how much is it going to cost us? And when AJ said nothing, I would have loved to have seen Triple H's shoot reaction to that. When did we get back to this? <laughs> it just popped into my head. Listen, uh, we'll go. We'll take a break, and then we're going to come back and go commercial free for the rest of the show <laughs> and talk about Macho Man Randy Savage and Ken's appearance. But I just tying a bow on that whole old school wrestling thing. Old school wrestling, MMA. See today's style of of wrestling would be MMA. No, which, no, no, no. Sorry. Can't agree with that. Can't listen, agree with that. But, but here's what I want to say. That's going to get people all riled up. I'm uh, already riled up. They hate me anyway. I've heard from th three different people, very, very close to the situation that MMA is not exactly the shoot that you think it is. So continue to place your bets Continue to believe, but MMA wrestling. Oh, I've, I've not so far heard apart. that from some people yeah. too. Yeah, but then I that. also hear from people that football and baseball or works. So these are, but you've never heard that from a football and a baseball player. No, I don't. I don't follow MMA practically at all. But you cannot, if you're comparing it to old school pro wrestling matches in the style of an no, old no, no. but just the 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 the, uh, the the oh the business the sport yeah 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 oh okay i, yeah, I apologize i was yeah. thinking differently yeah but right. you know what always makes me pause and yeah. this is a number of years ago and again we're getting way off the subject we're talking about mma bruce you're you i think are might be a bigger fan of it than i am but i remember years ago and it was on one of the, the networks, you know, it wasn't a pay-per-view. They had been hyping this MMA fighter. I mean, hyping him and hyping him and hyping him, you know, the next great MMA champion and, and he, he's making his debut and showing his training and he's going up against some guy and the guy like beat him, you know, the, the guy they were hyping lost in like 18 seconds. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, if it was more of a work, even those guys wouldn't, because it was like months of hyping this guy, his first match, you never heard from him again. Yeah, it's like a Tyson versus any generic opponent. You got to make them believe. You got to make them believe. Take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. Macho Man Randy Savage and the world-famous Killer Ken Resnick wrestling with history worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. Dig it. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. All right, back here on Wrestling With History. And before, I mean, we we went way off track today, but I wanted to spend a little bit, a little bit of time on Randy Savage because 
that was the subject of this week's very popular new series, the uh, A&E biography. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't you? I thought we were going to spend some time on Manny Fernandez. <laughs> He's next week. No, man. You know what? I should mention, because this show will come out early, earlier than Manny's show. Manny's show was moved from Friday to Monday. Oh. And then completely my fault. We didn't record on Sunday like we were supposed to. We're recording on Tuesday. So whatever. You're going to get Manny's show. If you're listening to this when it comes out on Tuesday, you'll get Manny's show on Wednesday. I just wanted to plug his show. Yeah. No BS with the bull. The most popular show on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network and high on the charts atop the wrestling world. Also, the top T-shirt seller, Ken. Ken, actually, you had, you know, your uh, your shirt. Uh, there's a new sale came through the other day. Killer Ken made it real. No joke. Hey, but you did he give it away gratis. Disclosure: What didn't Manny have a kind of a big wholesale buy? He did, but everything counts. Wow. Randy Savage, born November fifteenth, nineteen fifty-two, died tragically on May twentieth, two thousand eleven. I'll never forget it. I was on a plane with bill and superfly jimmy snooker and we were on our way out to california for big time wrestling WrestleFest convention and we got a chance bill to be we landed and we got we were at the uh the hotel bar area with bret hart a honky tonk man and we were just kind of sitting there sharing stories about randy savage because it was very fresh and, and i'll never forget it i did interviews with those yeah guys, yeah Raw, it was raw reaction. And, and at that time, you were doing um, one wrestling radio with us in Philadelphia on uh, 1360 WNJC. Yeah. And we ran those interviews and we actually won uh, a wrestling radio award or something in that year for those interviews. I remember that. I remember Don't, it, that. It, it, didn't, it didn't get us any money, but we did get we got some accolades by the uh, the people that that ran those. So that was um, just one of those moments that you'll never forget. Uh, tragic, but um, you know, if you're if you're kind of doing this, it was uh, surreal having that raw reaction. No pun intended. And uh, so they did the biography, and lo and behold, at the beginning, at the end, the end, we saw our very own, our very own. Killer Ken Resnick. And Ken, that had to be a treat for you. Did you know you were going to be on this biography series? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. I, I had taped that I wasn't watching it. And Bill sent me a text telling me. And it, in all honesty, uh, obviously, all that footage was provided to A&E through WWE. Um, and, you know, very honestly, I, I was gratified that someone there said, hey, you know, Ken was a big part of that. And they obviously provided them uh, the footage. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with me, it made me, you know, feel good to, to be a, a part of that. You know, I had the uh, privilege of, of working with Randy and, you know, getting to know uh, Liz. And I've got a couple, you know, a few Randy stories we'll, we'll get into, one I've, I've never told before. But uh, I, I was very gratified. Uh, you know, I hadn't really had any contact with them for a long time. And I was just surprised that someone provided that footage for the show. Made me feel good. Really did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking just like you giving Bill some crap 
earlier for his his role on A&E and not getting more money. Maybe you should have your lawyer call up and make sure you get an appearance fee for that. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, As you know, when you work for the WWE and you sign something, they, they own the footage. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they own your name. They own your rights. They own your birthday. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you guys an interesting story. You don't have to sign it. I, I, I never signed one because Vince hired me right in his office. There was, you know, and he just told the people, Hey, I hired a new guy. So, you know, I mean, I, obviously I was here and working, but I, I never signed a release. Your mustache was your contract. Well, you yeah. see, I don't Maybe think you have mustache, to sign a release. That was Vince's way of saying, I own you. Right, right, right. I don't think you have to sign a release similar to what I did for the publishing company. People said, you don't own the photos that you shot for? I said, no, I was a salaried employee of the company. So they reached for the time I was employed, they retain everything that I did. You know, the, uh, because they contacted me, uh, the same law firm, which is, you know, come under a fair amount of criticism that was representing uh, Billy Jack Haynes, uh, and a lot of former wrestlers in the concussion lawsuit, yeah. which was thrown out, uh, they were also trying to sue them uh, for intellectual property because they contacted me and said, you know, we want to include you in this and, and represent you. And I have no idea uh, if that is still moving forward. But, you know, a lot of uh, certainly the wrestlers uh, were saying, you know, hey, I agreed to do WWF television but now this is a you know a whole new platform that you're making huge amounts of money and nobody's being compensated so i i don't know but i know they were trying to move forward with that lawsuit as well hmm. bill do you hear a lot of that from different people that have worked throughout the years do you, do you hear a lot of people that are upset that they're not getting royalties from the wwe network i do i do yeah. but but again Unfortunately, I'm of the mindset where you worked for the company at that point and they retain the rights to do whatever they want to as long as it's not, it's not harming you because you were employ, an employee of the company. But then again, there is a gray area where these wrestlers actual employees because they were not getting medical and dental and any of the other benefits. So we, we, that, that's a whole different... Yeah. Okay. had nothing yeah. to, to do with randy savage yeah nothing to do with randy savage getting back on track ken resnick you spent a lot of time doing backstage interviews with savage very animated character very uh how what's the word i want to use but i mean sometimes he he seemed way off his rocker what was the story of working with macho man doing backstage stuff you know it, it was interesting we never had a, a bad relationship but our relationship evolved um, where the more interviews we did, Randy would start to kind of acknowledge or talk to me or involve me. There was, uh, and I, I went up to him after the one time he kind of grabbed my red tie and, and you know, was playing with it. Uh, and, you know, I just noticed he was acknowledging me more and more. And I actually, you know, went up to him and, told him I noticed that and it was very interesting he said you know when I get going I get going and he said I've worked with you and know that 
if I throw rhetorical questions or give you looks, you might have a brief acknowledgement, but you're not going to try and interrupt me. So I feel more comfortable doing that. And if I'm trying to think where I'm going to go next, I'm not worried about you taking me off my train of thought or, you know, trying to get involved. And I mean, he was one of the great superstars, great interviews, wasn't something I did. But he finally told me, he said, I, I know that you don't do that. So I have no problem asking you questions because I know you're going to give me a look, but you're not going to try and answer the question. And, and, and just to carry on that thought, that wasn't the case with Gene, right? I mean, no, no offense to Gene, but Gene was also in the business of putting himself over, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, um, especially guys that weren't really good talkers had a little worry about Gene, you know, upstaging them. And you know, I, I talked about it when I came in, even in the AWA following Gene. Gene's timing, his sometimes comedic responses were so good, there was just no way that I could do that, you know, and I was just going to do the opposite. I mean, I played it as straight and like the t-shirt says, shameless plug, shameless plug. Uh, I tried to make it, you know, real. And it, it was interesting that, you know, when we talked, you know, Randy had said, hey, I'm very aware in a sense, whatever I do, I can trust you that you're not going to try and turn it back on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say before you before you comment, I just want to run this quick clip. So one of the very first shows we did about I think it was about WrestleMania or maybe it was the year um, you talked about a very famous incident you have with Savage. It's in your book. Is yep. wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. Yep. And, and it's about when Randy Savage uh, was actively threatening to hurt you, if not kill you. And I'm going to play that right now. And, and then we'll get your comments on that and some other comments on Randy. Here we go. I, Randy Savage and Scott Steiner were two of the people you had to be concerned about. You, know, you never knew which Randy or Scott you were going to get when you see them. Randy was moody at times. So now we have a plaque made for Randy Savage. I have no idea what's coming. Come back of the year. WCW. Look at this guy left WWF. He was a broadcast goes to WCW, wins the title, right? So I'm in Baltimore and I keep hearing in my head that Randy Savage wants to kill me. I'm backstage in Baltimore in the dressing room area and Gary Juster lets me back there and the, the promoter and uh, Randy starts, comes in from outside with Elizabeth um, and uh, Medusa and Nancy Benoit. And the girls were all making a fuss of, oh, Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill. And I I look at Randy, just looks at me. He's got the cowboy hat on the whole bit. And I said, I have something for you. He says, what is it? I said, this beautiful plaque, come back of the year. Oh, let me see it. Holds the plaque up, looks at it, and he throws it against the wall as hard as he can. I don't need your effing award. I don't, come back of the fuck. You, you do. You know what you did to me, you son of a. Beep. 
So all of a sudden, Sweeps Kevin Sullivan, all of a sudden, Kevin Sullivan, who's running the show, hears this commotion, comes over to me. Savage looks at Kevin Sullivan. He says, you and you, meaning me, over here, we're going to talk. So with Sullivan behind me, Randy takes us to a, in a small area, a doorway, like a bathroom doorway. And there's no way I can get out of this doorway now. And he had just been at my house probably two months before doing a videotape for my kids, telling them how nice his dad, daddy is and all this. You son of a bleep. You know what you did? No, I don't. Shut up. He said, you know the contract that I have with Slim Jim? Yeah, they're going to drop my contract because of you. What are you talking about? Old man, they don't want an old man representing them. You son of a... And he's he's in my face, all red, and I could smell liquor on his breath as well. So Kevin Sullivan's standing there like, what's he going to do? Because uh, it looked like Randy was going to hit me. So I said, can I shut the hell... Every time I tried to explain, he says, I hate your family, I hate your goddamn kids. I, and you know what? I hate you, man. And you know what? You ruin my... And then he spits at me, takes off. Kevin Sullivan says, it's drinking, whatever, just forget about it. So now I find a payphone, I call my office and Stu Sachs or Peter King, whoever's the editor back then, I think it was Stu Sachs, said, he can't treat you like that. He said, you're gonna go out and shoot his match tonight? I said, I don't know. It's gonna be him against Flair. So stupidly I go and shoot the match. Flair's managed by Nancy Benoit. Savage is in the ring. Five minutes into the match, I go out to shoot the matches. Nancy, who I loved and she, we adored each other. She starts fiddling around with my hair that I had back then. Savage looks over, he looks at the referee and Flair and he says, time. Comes over to where Nancy and I am, tells Nancy to move out of the way and spits the biggest watt of spit into my face, worse than Vince McMahon and Bret Hart. Wow. Stop the match. I shot the rest of the match. Went in the back, Dave Gerhardt, who was the uh, uh, one of the uh, publicity people for our magazine, uh, said, he can't treat you like this. I said, yeah, you go, go and tell him. So now two or three days pass and Hulk Hogan calls me, he says, what the hell happened with you and Macho, man? And I told him, he says, what, what really happened? And I told him. So about two or three months later, I'm, I wasn't at any shows where Savage was. About two or three months later, I'm slated to go to Hogan's house in Florida and do a story on him. Before we go to his house, he says, I got a friend who wants to meet you. And drives to this old dilapidated gym. When we walk in, there's one guy in the gym. His back is turned. Didn't know who it was. He says, hey, after's here, gets up with Randy Savage. And I figured Hogan did this to get me killed. This is it. I'm going to be, he's going to kick the shit out of me. Pardon my French. Randy comes over, puts his hand on me, gives me a hug, and he says, it was the demons, man. I am so sorry. 
I don't know what I, what happened to me. I am so sorry, man. I apologize to you. You're my brother. I love you. I apologize to you, man. I said, forget it. Don't worry about it. And that was, that was the last time I saw him, actually. Talked to him a couple of times on the phone. Um, after that, uh, maybe a year before he passed away. But, um, yeah, so that that's the Randy Savage story. It's a pretty s scary story because I really thought he was going to do something to me. And I've never felt like that in my whole career. Wow. So nothing like leaving the show in an upbeat uh, okay. mood. But thanks to this guy for uh, working out and helping uh, make peace. And, and Lanny, uh, his brother, told me uh, after Andy died, he said he really loved you. He says he appreciates everything you did. And he really loves you. You know, he knows there was a bump in the road with that incident that happened, but he really loved you. And that made me feel really good. All right. So there it is. That was one of the first wrestling with histories that Bill, Ken and I did together. And Bill told that story, which Bill, that had to be just. It's terrifying. Insanity. Yeah. It was I, absolutely I, terrifying to me because the, uh, I, I never told anyone uh, when I first met Randy, it was in the late 70s. He was wrestling in Toronto. I was up there shooting pictures and he was Randy Poffo uh, at that time. The character of Macho Man hadn't even been developed and he was just such a nice kid and he had so much talent in the ring. I picked him in the magazine, you know, to be a, uh, a superstar one day. But the, what, where the business took him from a wrestler to a character. And then with the substance abuse and everything, it was one of the most unfortunate changes in a person's life that I had ever seen. I'm just glad that we were able to make peace um, long before he died. Thank you, Hulk Hogan, if you're listening to this or watching this for making sure that would happen. Was the substance abuse worse early or worse later, like I in did, his WCW days? Uh, it's toward the end of his uh, active wrestling days, right. definitely. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, and, and you think that was just a culmination of injuries and being no, on the road? No, it was what the boys were doing. It's, it was part of the culture. It was like, it was like uh, you know, the, the rock bands back then. It was part of the road culture. But one, one thing that... You know, I I uh, became friendly with Jim Neidhart for a while, and I I did a lot of traveling with Jim. Jim um, helped me out a lot when I first was doing the radio stuff in Philadelphia. And Jim told me that it was a lot worse in WCW because it wasn't policed. There was no there was no real guardrails on what they could do. They were making a lot of money, and people were just looking the other way, as opposed to WWE where maybe some people got away with stuff, but, but there was also some guardrails where there needed to be guardrails. Did you hear, and maybe Ken, if, I don't know if you were uh, active during the WCW days, but is that something that you guys can relate to? Yeah. I, I mean, I went out with the guys a lot after the shows in WCW and yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff went on. It wasn't just Randy. It was a lot of different guys. It was, it was let's party. Oh yeah. Let's go out and party. You know, I, I can't speak to what it was in, in WCW, but you're correct about WWF. Uh, just as, you know, doing the, the interviews, uh, I think four, five random times, I had to take a urine test. 
even me. And I mean, they were serious because I, I think they knew a little bit of what was going on where the agent would literally watch you urinate into the cup. Um, so they, they were serious about it, you oh, know, yeah. back then where I remember the, the first time the agent came up to me and said, Hey, uh, you, you got to take a urine test. And I kind of laughed. I thought he was just, you know, joking or working me. And he goes, no, I'm serious. Here's today's list. There's your name. You got to piss in the cup. Um, so they were pretty serious about it back then. Would they, would they use it? Did you guys ever hear that they would use it when they wanted to use it? So we've all, we've all heard the stories about Tully after he gave his notice being popped and, and then losing it. I mean, the rest of his career was kind of shot after that. Scott Hall at the end of his run, they, they used the marijuana uh, test against him as opposed to, I mean, there were people like Savage and, and others who, you know, you, you heard a lot behind the scenes that were users of drugs, Jake Roberts, that, that didn't get popped. Is, was that ever something that you became aware of not, and, and speak me. to your comfort, obviously. No, no not me. I, 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 I was not looking for to be part of that uh, culture. It's not what my, I was not focused on that. It might've been going on right around me, but I never really knew it. Uh, there was, I think a little, you know, nothing substantial that I, I can point to, but there was a little conversation that it, it seemed like none of the big stars ever got popped. Yeah. So it was like, don't know if they're passing the test or somebody's looking at the other way, but it was more the mid card and, and lower types that, that did. Yeah. Looking for budget cuts. Yeah. Just to do it. Yeah. Or if, if somebody was, you know, on their way out, like Scott Hall, who was at the top of the card, but not in good favor at that time. Ken, you, uh, you mentioned you have another, you have a couple significant stories with Savage. I know we're running out of time and, and oh. I do want to come back to Randy, like, like Bruno, maybe we'll do a Randy Bruno well, sandwich. Bruce, just rewind for a second. You mentioned Scott Hall. Yeah. And I remember toward the end of Scott Hall, and this was not anything that was his fault, so to say, was that, when he was wrestling against Goldust, he was telling me that he, he's got a family and he didn't want, he didn't think it was right for him to, his son to see a character like that against his father. So there was nothing on, yeah. on his way out was, was not necessarily due to anything drug related or anything or substance abuse. It was creative stuff that they no. were not doing with him. But the, it's it's very public uh, from several people, Bruce Pritchard, Scott Hall himself, that what happened was he was supposed to work WrestleMania to get mm -hmm. that payday. He did not want to do that match or that right. angle, but they kept him off the show because of a failed drug test. And that, that's out there. And whether it's yeah, true or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ken, uh, Randy Savage. So. Um, and and I know we have to we have to go through this quickly. This was um, this this show's kind of crazy, and we'll come back I to Randy later. But a couple highlights of uh, stories behind the scenes with you and Mr. Macho. Well, this is year. It had been years since I had seen Randy. This you know he was already retired. I hadn't seen him or, or had you know any contact with him. 
I had a very, very good friend that was working for Home Shopping Network and living in Tampa, Florida. And she was where I had just undergone a really serious eye surgery uh, and was recuperating. And I get a phone call from my friend, Michelle. And she says, hey, I've got someone here that wants to talk to you. And suddenly I, I hear a voice that goes, yeah, hey, hey, brother, how, how you doing? You know, everything okay? What well, I heard about she, Michelle told me about the surgery. And I was like, who is this? Helmut Gutman. No. <laughs> and he goes, it's Macho Man. And what had happened, she had gone somewhere for lunch. And the Randy Savage was there eating. That's awesome. So Michelle went up to him and she said, hey, I'm a big fan. I just wanted to say hello. And he was gracious. And she said, by the way, a very close friend of mine was somebody you worked with. And he said, who's that? You know, probably disbelieving. And she said, well, Ken Resnick. And he said, oh, man, how's he doing? And she told him, you know, about this eye surgery and what it involved. And, you know, it was risky. And, and he said, you got his number? And she says, sure. He says, call him. I want to talk to him. That's awesome. That's and, cool. Yeah. And, and he got on the phone and, you know, he wanted to know. And he said, look, man, you got it. You need anything? You doing all right? You, anything I can do? I mean, he was, you know, I, I was just shocked. And then she called me later to tell me the story that, you know, Great she story. happened to mention that. And, you know, when she told him, he said, you got his number? Call him. That's a I'll great story. Yeah. Bruce, amazing. who is Helmut? Whoever you Helmut Gutman was oh, Vern Gagne's final match. Oh, Look it up. Not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ken, before, Bill, I, I have a question for you about the, the final years of Randy Savage. But <laughs> Ken, before I get there, you're going to get me all fired up again. Ken, before I get there, Randy Savage, notoriously protective of Elizabeth. Did you see it? Like, did you see the times that he would locker oh, in the yeah. dressing room so the boys yeah, I, I mean he literally would be you know as they portrayed in the biography i mean he was so protective and, and you know and I, I think protective is really a bit of an understatement uh so obsessive with fly in today's uh social media climate it, he would not be a uh a popular character at all no um where he would literally keep her locked up yeah uh, and there was a, a a story uh i was connecting to the next town through omaha nebraska you know back in those days they were running sometimes two and three towns a night so i'd done interviews you know somewhere out west in a, a smaller market with a bunch of guys and then i was connecting to the next town where we were going to do interviews that day through omaha so I get off one plane and, you know, back in those days, you had to go to the gate and check in. It's not like today. So I go down to the next boarding gate and, you know, check in with the, the gate agent and kind of turn around and I look and there's Liz sitting there. And I just go up and I said, Liz, hi, where are you? And, you know, she stands up and we're just kind of talking for a minute. And all of a sudden somebody like grabs me and spins over me around. And says, what are you doing? <laughs> and it was Randy. He had gone to get something, you know, and he comes back and sees somebody talking to Liz flirting Randy it's me I just I'm on this flight I just saw her and came over you know and then he kind of like oh cooled down a bit but yeah I, I mean the way that was portrayed uh 
in the biography was was very accurate and going back to the story I, you know where he told me he was more comfortable interacting with me a little bit you know even lanny said you know you could talk to randy about anything as long as he brought it up you didn't really go and try and initiate conversations with randy he was you know private but yeah if anything uh the overprotection of of liz they they may have understated and uh you know it's sad but the the best thing was you know in the end uh he found his high school sweetheart and you know was just is is it the ending was tragic but at least he was very happy uh in his last years you know you brought up lanny for two brothers who were so close, they were so different in personality and everything, two different people, Randy with that short fuse and Lanny with that laid back, lovable type of person. They were so different. And I knew Angela- Probably my, my third biggest claim in wrestling, besides being on a Piper's Pit and an after chat, uh, I was immortalized in, in Lanny's book. He wrote a poem about me. You have the, uh, you have the, the, the uh, lines? I, I have the book. Absolutely, I do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I want to hear the poem. You got to bring it, bring it with you next time. Homework, uh, two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Two weeks. Uh, Ken, before we move off of Elizabeth, Elizabeth was, was really... I mean, you think about today versus back then, hardly any women in the locker room. I mean, there's, there wasn't a women's division. Well, she, she wasn't the, she wasn't in the women's locker room because she and Randy had their own and That's right. basically, uh, you know, held captive. I mean, no. even the point, if you think about it, 90% of Randy's interviews were just Randy. Liz was almost always in the building but there are very few interviews with Randy and Liz. Yeah. I mean, I think I can count the ones I did on one hand. Was that a trust issue? Because you said at the end, and, and I think there's a lot of relationships like this, when there's, when there's seeds of distrust or mistrust, and it could be Randy inflecting something that he, you know, he's maybe a wild man and he's thinking like everybody else is out to get her or that she's not loyal and faithful to him did you think it was a trust issue or was it just randy being controlling uh my guess is, I, I would say randy being controlling absolutely uh, because i i never you know i would see liz you know when she was allowed out she would you know talk to people but never in any sort of flirtatious way i i Bill, what do you think? I, I think that was... Yeah, I mean, I was around them. Uh, we were banned. The magazines were banned at that point. They'd stayed in touch with me in times when I would meet them uh, uh, at a, a blockbuster video or something like that. She was she was with him and uh, she was very cordial to me. And he had no, uh, you know, he, oh, that's Bill After. You know, he takes good care of all the boys here. You know, this type of thing. He was okay. I mean, when he was in WCW... Uh, he was with uh, her and uh, Nancy Benoit, woman, yeah. quite a bit uh, together. And, you know, he treated them very nicely. And uh, I never saw th that issue. I think Randy was just controlling, 
not just of her, but everything regarding his whole career, how he handled his career, the character. He, he wanted to control everything that was going on with him. Well, I, I think, Bill, but when, when Randy got to WCW, he, he and Liz had already split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he still was, they were still, they were friendly. Yeah. But when, when, when they were married, he Oh, was... no, when they were married, again, when I was with them several times, he never seemed over-controlling to me. But then again, I wasn't backstage a lot with them because we weren't permitted back there. Hogan had told me all the stories about that, but I didn't know that part of them. Bill, Randy disappeared from the scene, you know, had a bad relationship with Vince, I guess, stemming from him choosing to leave and take the WCW contract. And at that point in 2011, when he passed away, that was a very fractured relationship, you know, not not on the, the docket for the Hall of Fame, certainly. What was, had you talked to Randy at all after those years had passed since his departure from WCW? Once he left... Once he left the, uh, once he left the business, so to say, I tried to get in touch with him. His phone number had changed. I actually have a uh, a yellow pad that my daughter wrote a message. Randy Savage tried to call you back on a phone number, and uh, he never called, never called back. He dropped out of the business, and uh, that was it. Yeah, it, for a long time, not not heard from. I was very surprised that you wouldn't get an appearance, you know, on one of those Legends Raws or something like that, because uh, I think there was still money for him to make. He was oh, still in great absolutely, shape. But he, wa- he, he wanted out of the business at that point. Yeah. I think Ken is uh, uh, not going to let our audience hold on for two weeks and in a cliffhanger here. He's going to bring us home by reading this poem from Leaping Poem. <laughs> I, I went Philadelphia on people. Poem. Uh, we're going to oh, read the poem. poem. Yeah. Yo, we're going to read the poem over here. Yeah, no, that's New poem. York. Yeah, uh, then I've got my reading glasses. Ken, bring oh. us home with this poem, <laughs> Leaping Lanny Poffo. And then, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do Best Of next week. And we will be back in two weeks with Wrestling With History. Go ahead, Ken. Killer Ken Resnick. A couple of words for Killer Ken, whose hair is never out of place and always wears a sunny smile and tan upon his handsome face. He interviews the wrestling stars remaining dignified and cool, and those who try to match their wits could wind up looking like a fool. We watch Ken Resnick every week, but he is known as Killer Ken because he scores double figures on our killer scale from one to 10. That's great. <laughs> Very good. Bill, uh, Bill, we will see you at the matches eventually. I cannot top the words of Leaping Lanny. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> Be All safe. Right. Bill Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill Apter's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my... Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month. 
and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's... uh, He's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, well, I want to say one thing there. Bruno was an LA champion. Yeah. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Actor, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. If you rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by 10 or or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history.